Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ethics in football, we dug ourselves a hole. Is it right or wrong to smash a player's skull? Hey, no easy answers, but there's one thing I know. Now it's time to play that banjo. Football's our favorite, but won't you please take note? We see it's got some problems, we're all in the same boat. Reckoning with football's past, I reckon you better paddle fast. Boys, I think I hear that banjo. Welcome to Banjo College Football. My name is Kevin Paul, the host of the world's most ethical college football podcast. I'm here by myself right now, uh, which is fine. I kind of expected this. One of my co-hosts, Brian Scott Rippey, is uh, an Ole Miss base right now, and the other host, Andrew Stevens, is late, as Andrew Stevens normally is. As for me personally, I'm opening up a the cheapest bottle of rosé I could find at the Royal Blue Grocery Store near my apartment here in Austin, Texas. And I'm here to talk about whatever you guys want to talk about. So looking forward to seeing and hearing you guys join. And oh, looks like Andrew's finally here. There he is. Hey, buddy, what's up? Sorry, I was bawling outrageous. No, sure. Outrageous is doing a lot of work there. I feel like I don't. I don't know. Are you are you capping for the audience, Andrew, or what? What's going on? No, I did get one uh, singular legal American Duncan though, so that's good. Before my back gave out, so ten, uh, ten feet, still... ten feet, everything, just it, ten feet in game. Drew. Andrew Stevens seems to have gone out audio-wise. I'm not sure if he's I'm getting not sure. into or getting out of a car. Are we good? Uh, we're back? We're good now. Andrew, what the hell keeps happening to you, buddy? Again, I was leaving the gymnasium where, aforementioned, I was bawling outrageous, dunked on a 10-foot regulation goal one time before my back gave out. Now I'm stepping into my car in which um, – I, I simply, I, I, I'm, I'm just too stupid to operate. Uh, I don't know. My Bluetooth still doesn't work. It just, it simply, uh, I am a 27 year old man that has operated Bluetooth. I want to say more years on this earth than, or more than half of the years on this earth than I've been alive. And what the uh, fuck were you doing with Bluetooth? And what were you doing with Bluetooth in 2007, Andrew? I knew you in 2007. You were not using Bluetooth. What are you talking about? I was downloading ringtones. No, that didn't take Bluetooth. That just took like yeah. a decent internet connection. I was downloading no, ringtones out of control too. No, I was on the Bluetooth game. I don't think I had that big wireless stuff. I think people had to send them to me. I was in the Stone what, Ages. 
I didn't what have cable was... at my home until 2006. See, that's shocking to me. Um, considering your sports knowledge, that's like borderline encyclopedic. What was your favorite ringtone that you ever had? My favorite ringtone that I, oh my God, what was it? Um, I had, uh, I had a, uh, Jim Jones, um, uh, we, we fly, fly high. high. Oh, I had good. we fly high. Um, shit. What was the, uh, what is the, uh, what is the Chevy with the suicide doors? Um, oh, um, stunting as a habit by, uh, yeah, 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 I was young, yeah, I was young yeah, jock. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, stunting as a habit like me. I had that on there as well. Um, and then I feel like I had to have had some like early Wayne or like pre, pre like the Carter Three Lil Wayne on there. I can't remember what it was. Uh, but we, uh, we, <laughs> I think oh, my favorite one was and independent and independent. Uh, and, you know what's it, 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 you know what's crazy, Andrew? I don't know about you, but back in the day, that's how I used to kind of like discover new music. Like I basically heard the Carter Two through ringtones before I heard the Carter Two album. Uh, <laughs> like that's how I found I, new music was just random people just like having the most obscure ringtones. I, I I just I don't know why I have a vivid memory of me in my mother's minivan listening to the Carter Two in a Walmart parking lot when I was 16 years old and just got my license. Uh, Carter 2 has been out for like some years by then, Andrew. <laughs> I, I, but that's what I'm but saying. Carter 3 was already out. <laughs> but, but guess what, KP? They didn't have the Carter 3 CD at the Walmart, and I needed to play something very loudly, very quickly. Carter 3 were platinum, platinum in one week pre-streaming era. Just wanted to point that out. And, uh, platinum in one week. J- and J. Cole went platinum without any features. Yeah, but that album wasn't fun. Oh, no. I'm, Carter, Carter well, 3 I'm, was fun. And, and, don't worry, and don't worry, I'm making fun of him. I feel like I know, that is... I uh, I'm glad he's gotten out of the zeitgeist. Andrew, we got a couple guests here. I, I kind of want to know, you guys put in the chat, what was y'all's favorite ringtone growing up? Not necessarily your first one. I would be shocked if you remembered that. But... I just poured a glass of the cheapest rosé I could find K- at Royal Blue, Andrew. So, you know. <laughs> K- K- Royal Blue, shout out. KP, now I have a question. What was what, uh, um, what was your first cell phone? What, uh, what, what model did you have? Oh, I had the Nokia brick. It was like the blue brick. You know what I'm talking oh, about? Oh, damn. The, the OG life? Yeah, man. I, I got my first – because it was like it was my first year in middle school and I was, you know, going – I wasn't – I was like riding the bus home, but it was like there was like a transfer situation from Westdale, shout out to mm-hmm. Westdale Middle School in Baton Rouge. And my parents just thought it would be better if I had a phone. And, and they were right. Because on days where I would like forget my key, you know, at home or whatever, I could like call my neighbors or something like that. Um, so, but but again, this was 2005 and I was 11 years old. So, yeah, they gave, <laughs> they gave them the key a brick, which cannot be more than what, like $7 right now. You can't. <laughs> Absolutely whatever indestructible cha- whatever, piece of machinery. Whatever change you have in your couch right now can probably buy a Nokia brick. Um both <laughs> both in twenty twenty one dollars and in two thousand five dollars. What yeah, was yours? I uh I had uh an LG Shine. Um, mm. I didn't get a cell I didn't get a cell phone until the eighth grade. Uh first I think by I think the first day K- KP, there was Less than a week's time before I got my cell phone and we met. 
Oh, damn. So, like, August um, 07 then. Jeez. Yes, yes. Less than a week's time. Golly. Because I just – I mean, and you had that shot for a while. You took good care of that phone. You had it for a minute. And it was, like, was, in uh, good condition too. It was very much uh, – that was the – the. Uh, I never did T9, though. T9 is terrible. I like typing words. What are you talking about? No, no, no. I know. No, no. T9 was never good. But the uh, it, like some people preferred it over the, the 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 triple text. But I felt like I got pretty good at that. Sicko behavior. No, the thing is, the thing about T9, why I prefer triple text over T9 is that you could text in those again pre-touch screens on phones. You could feel out the numbers, so you can text in class. You know. If you know the exact to, number, if you know the exact cadence to get to, all right, cool, text message, boom, contact, I know where, you know, M-O-M, I know exactly, like, how many M's that's down in the contact list, and then you could just feel it out. So I didn't, I never used T9, man. It was pointless to me. I, I was firing off so many hay in, in, in uh, eighth grade Catholic eye. Just at, that's all you could do. What, yeah. To to, to a to a uh, what what some would call a replacement level baseball players uh, level of response. There, we're 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 batting like two seventy, getting responses. Yeah, but the thing is though, two seventy. Are you are you a power hitter? That's the thing, man. Like, were no, you? We're, how hard were how hard were you? How hard were you swinging? We're playing the gaps. No, no, small <laughs> ball, baby. This is small ball. This is UC Irvine baseball over here. We're hitting. We're getting on Jeez. first. We're bunt. Well, hey, we're they won natties, so you know we're, that's not the we're worst. We're stealing thing. <laughs> third and sack fly taking it home. I know we got a nickel and dime them here. We're not uh we're not big league sluggers. We're not we're, we're not late nineties era LSU. No, this simply. So, I, I mean, thank God that they got rid of those bats. Those would have fucking killed somebody today. The way that they're yeah. putting these kids in college weight programs. Oh God, yeah, that that's probably the one of the smartest things the NCAA has ever done. Um, can you speaking imagine, of me, no, what? sorry, go on. I was going to say, just can you imagine a uh, a kid that has been through a Gale LSU weight program with a non BB core metal bat stepping up? No, no, he's going to murder. He's going. He's going to straight up kill a pitcher. That ball is just going to go right through the outfield padding, all the way to um, all the way to walk on. <laughs> I think. I think Will Clark didn't Will Clark hit something like twenty nine homers. The last year before they switched that, I think so. It was like oh eight, oh seven, something around that time. Maybe oh nine. Those are the last year yeah. of bats where it was like, okay, this is getting out of control. Yeah, LSU <laughs> made the uh, LSU made the World Series. Exactly. So what happens? So, what's happened in okay. the wild world of college football since we've last spoken, KP? Well, I kind of want to segue there. That was um, in the show notes that I came up with about an hour ago. Um, you know oh, about you college, fuck about you. college show notes, about college baseball. Okay, so I, I do think it's very funny, and I wish we had uh, Rip on here to also discuss this. Um, you know, the NCAA is they, you know, they have the regionals. Um, they ha- they're going to have like the predetermined host sites, right? It's not just going to be the top sixteen oh, seeds it, or whatever. How is this working? I have I've, I've, I've paid attention to college baseball almost like an impressively little degree. So it's looking like in about – like maybe a week or two weeks before. I don't know the actual timeline, but the NCAA is going to determine like 16 different host sites. And most of them will be teams that will already be hosting, like teams like Arkansas, 
Vanderbilt, um, Texas. Like these are teams that are like in that upper echelon that would be a host site anyway. But just for COVID purposes, the NCAA does want to pre-designate them. However, the NCAA has a recommended capacity of 50% in these uh, stadiums. But the state of Mississippi, home to two top 10 teams, has already gone full capacity. Like, I'm not sure if you're following Rippy on Twitter right now, but <laughs> Swayze Field is packed, um, as Duty Noble was last weekend. And it's going to be very funny seeing Mark Emmert go to war with uh, the Mississippi State AD. <laughs> like, dude, no, you, you, you can't pack that out. It's like, well, we've been doing it all year, and we don't want to lose the ticket revenue. So my question is, can we see something similar to that in college football this fall? Like, do you see maybe them saying, okay, cool, we know it's, like, been a year, but 75% for the first half of the season, and then we'll go from there. Do you see anything like that happening? The the problem with 75% is most college football teams operate like that normally. They just can't fill the stadium. Right, but then it's – exactly. Here's – these capacity rules are for the big brands, right? It's like Kentucky versus um, uh, Ohio. Refer to, us, refer to us as the Super League, please. Kentucky versus Miami of Ohio isn't getting 75% in Kroger Field anyway, you know? <laughs> no, uh, I, I don't really know. I, I, I My thing with the, the – I mean, 75%, that just becomes fucking theater then too. Because even if you, if you thin out any, like – I feel like we talked about this. This is what we talked about for the first half year that the podcast was on. But like, <laughs> you, you you end up just with fucking security theater where like it, taking taking Sanford Stadium from call it a hundred thousand active people in there to seventy five thousand active people in there, you're still going to have lines for the bath. Like you're still going to be standing in line to go to the bathroom. You're still going to be standing in line to concessions, get your t- ticket checked, and everything. And like the way that people are going to end up spreading out, you are still going to be on top of people. And so like. If basically my thing is, if you're going to end up just saying, fuck you, it doesn't matter, let everybody in, fill the fucking stadium at that point. Like there, there's no reason to, uh, to fuck yourself on both ends, like either take COVID seriously or take the money. I mean, it's very, very stupid, but I I have a feeling they're going to take the money. Yeah, um, I, 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 that's a great point. It's going to be hard to just find like a happy meeting because 50% seems just like the uh, well, it was 25% last season, so I don't know, 50% would be an improvement. But like you said, it would just be, like, less convenient. Like, the thing about the 25% capacity thing is it was the most convenient thing in the world. I went to a playoff game at Jerry World and didn't never had to wait for the bathroom, never had to wait in line for concessions, didn't have to do anything. It was awesome. The minute you start adding more people to that, it just gets more annoying for me, but it doesn't get more fun because the stadium's still at 50%. Stadium's still at 75 you know? So... Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I can't, mean, I can't see Mark Emmert setting up to any SEC football um, AD or any SEC football director of operations. To be honest, the funny, the funny part about this is I've already just found myself like I, I, I knew that this was inevitably going to happen, but the like dad that wants to like only talks about getting back to the car to beating traffic. I, I, I know that that is going to be me based on how much I have enjoyed like entering and leaving Pelicans games since I've been vaccinated. Like I, I've, I think I've been to two or three of them and it is so unbelievably pleasant. I mean, you walk in, 
you you have absolutely no line at security. There are no issues parking. You get up to your seat extremely easy. They have zip ties on all the seats that you can't sit on or that aren't reserved. <laughs> no lines for the bathrooms, no lines for beer, no line for concession. It is absolutely wonderful. So I know that in, in uh, I don't know, anywhere between uh, 75 to 164 years when I become a parent that uh, I am going to look to <laughs> leave these Georgia Georgia football games early. <laughs> Yeah, I, I have no desire at this point. Well, I don't know. I'm still kind of a young alum, so young, whatever. I feel 90 sometimes. Uh, I can't see myself staying the entire game if I have a child. It's like, dude, my kid's four. He doesn't care about, you know, the, the last three minutes of uh, an Alabama versus Kentucky game where Alabama's up like 31 to 10. He doesn't care. No one cares. So let's just get him home. Let's get back to our home in um, Anniston, Alabama, or wherever I'll be living at the time, and beat this damn traffic. Yeah, I I, I, I think that uh, – and the problem with a lot of these, these um, SEC towns is – you are no matter what, even with contraflow, like you're going to be stuck in traffic for a minimum of an hour trying to get out. If, if you have any interest in not leaving the game in the middle of the third quarter, exactly, exactly. There's there, there's no place in any SEC town. Yeah, there's no place in any SEC town where you can get there in less than an hour after a game. Not one. Um, if you say, oh, Athens, let me just walk to my car. Georgia's up by a lot. Let me just walk to my car um, early fourth quarter and get out of here so I can drive back to Atlanta. And it's like, well, it's a 45-minute walk to the car. And then it's like everyone had the same idea as you. You're not the smartest person in the room, you know? And then, so. and then, you're, park, and then you're parked on 316 <laughs> for two hours. Uh, no, but there, there's a uh, – I, I am excited for just at, becoming washed in, from the football perspective because, like – Something that I've very completely missed throughout college that just is not capitalized on whatsoever by like college students and young professionals, I feel like, is the post tailgate. The post tailgate is some of the most enjoyable and most raucous time there is, especially after you win a big game. But it is completely overshadowed from the ages of like 18 to 25, because the only thing that you want to do is sprint to the bar as quick as possible so you can stand in line for 28 minutes to then stand in line another 28 minutes to try and get a drink, which is very, very fun because that's what you do when you're 22 and 23 years old. But as someone who absolutely has no interest in making any physical contact with any other person after a game, I want to sit in a lawn chair, watch college football final and drink three to five light beers until I pass out. And see, this is why 2.30 is um, God's kickoff time. 2.30 Central, 2.30 Eastern. False, you can't, false. You're still night. wrong about that. You're still wrong about that. No. See, because for a night game, which would be 7 Central, 8 Eastern, the post-game tailgate, is, it's non-existent. Everyone's way too tired. Way but too see, tired. No, no, no. That's, that's the ideal because you end up with post-game tailgate from 10.30 till midnight, night over. As opposed to if we get out of a 2.30 game at 6 o'clock, sure, I'll go and do t- – like I'll go eat dinner at, at the remnants and the scraps of the tailgate. But then I'm still going to be jonesing. If it's 8 o'clock, I don't want to be calling it. And I'm not that old yet. Yeah, but again, that's perfect. 2.30 game ends. You go to the postgame tailgate at 8 o'clock and you're well-fed. You, can, you probably still continue to drink in a little bit. And you can hit the bar. I did this. I know this is your least favorite time in the conference. I did the exact thing in Columbia, South Carolina, in 2019. <laughs> the game was at 3:30. Uh, left the game, went to um, 
friend's tailgate from about mm, post-game till about 8 or so, 8.30. Went to a restaurant to eat, and then I just hit a bar until 11.30, and it was perfect. That was one of the most enjoyable game days I've had. See, something that is kind of fun about the, the, the like very sleepy noon games is that like you can kind of treat it like you have a like just a glorified spring game during the day where you can like not you, you don't even really have to tailgate all that much, like wake up, grab a drink, go into the game. And then especially like when we were in college and within somewhat of walking distance. And then after the game, you get to go like you go pick up food. You're still kind of hung over probably from the night before and you're dragging yourself out of bed. And then you go like take a nap and then wake up night games are on. And then it's basically just a normal night and college football's on like, like usually these, these 11 o'clock or noon games, it's like Charleston Southern or ULL or nickel state or somebody is in town. And so it's like, Mm -hmm. it will be, it will be a like functional crowded fun night out, but it's not like, you're going to be swamped trying to get in and out. Like those were some of almost my favorite weekends in college. See, but that's the thing though. You can't get two thirty or 7 PM drunk for an 11 AM game. And I think a lot of people make that mistake. You can have a little bit, but no, it's an 11 no, game. no, no, no. You, you want to well, have a real night, you know? Exactly. Because you, yeah, you can't, you can't blow all your beans that early because if you're, if you are in a, if you were at a call it a noon game, you get out at three thirty, have a couple of drinks. Those drinks plus the impending hangover plus whatever weed you tried to smoke to kill the hangover before uh, are probably going to end up leading you right into an afternoon nap while uh, Texas A and M ends up losing thirty five seventeen to somebody that they were uh, hyped to beat in the preseason. Um, and then you can exactly you wake up you. I don't know, start doing whatever you're going to do. And then you have just a, a regular functional, normal night downtown. Um, I, I would say that uh, as I like having like two of those games a year, it gets really annoying when like 80% of your college experience just becomes uh, doing that. But uh, for, for some portion of time, it's nice. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, we, we didn't have that many. The only 11 a.m. games were like, you know, you know, the Charleston Southerns, the Chattanoogas. Yeah. I think we played state at one t- one game when I was in grad school. We had state at home at 11 a.m. And that was great. I didn't have a drop to drink before the game. We, we went to the game. It was perfect. Walked to, you know, get food afterwards. And then by the time we got back, I'm like, wow, I'm very sober. I'm full. And it's only like 530. <laughs> I'm going to have a great night. And I did. So that, was, um, that can be a good experience. But you tell an Alabama student about an 11 a.m. game, they'll try to kill you. Um, so, yeah. Andrew, speaking of going and walking places for dinner and whatnot, what do you what are you wearing right now? What kicks are you are you rocking? Oh, so this is actually uh, this is great. I, I I was about to do a tweet about this. Um, I don't know if there's going to be a shoe that I play basketball in other than the LeBron 15 moving forward. As someone with bad really? ankles. As someone with bad ankles, uh, I have yet to find a shoe that is like a a true high top that like hugs the top of the ankle, like almost like a like a thick sock as opposed to having to actually like lace it up tight. It's awesome. Yeah, no, I've heard really good things about the LeBron 15s as a like an overall basketball shoe, which is good. I'm just glad we're in the era now where player signature sneakers are things you can play basketball in. Because um, remember this picture I sent you earlier this week. Gary Payton just hooping in ankle socks and Jordan 12s, which people listening to this, you may or may not 
realize how much of a sicko move that is, but it's it's the most wild boy thing I think I've seen on an NBA court. Next to PJ Tucker hooping in off white ones. <laughs> oh fuck, dude! Did you see this news? Terrence Clark just died. Wait, the um, the Kentucky player? Yeah, holy Jeez. fuck! He was in a uh, he was in a car crash with Brandon Boston. The, oh my the, god! And Boston was driving. Well, rest in peace. Oh my god! Jeez, rest in sorry. peace, Terrence Clark. No, that's no, fine. Sorry, sorry, I was I was I was on the timeline and uh, and people were talking about something uh, looks like serious. Um, but sorry, I'm uh, back to the uh, back to the lovely uh, hooping in the LeBron 15. I'm sure eBay is going to love this uh, cut as part of their ad. Yeah. Um, so. Um, no, uh, we are, yeah, sponsored by uh, eBay Sneakers. We're sponsored by Bet Online. We're sponsored by uh, the lovely Locker Room app. Um, but we don't need to get into all that right now. KP? Yeah. Um, eBay.com slash sneakers. Yeah. What, uh, what, are, what, 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 what else do you have as leading into college football this week? I, uh, I, as you know, as, you're re- as our resident, um, trying to actively uh, distance myself from any and all sports, uh, from my job, from my family, um, I need you to, to carry some weight. Well, I, I do think it's very interesting that we just kind of all accepted that we had spring practice this week. I mean, we had spring practice this year. And there were spring games this past weekend and it felt normal, but I think I want everyone to think back to last spring and how much people cried foul that there was no spring practice and there was no, there were no spring games. Like, how are they going to develop? And no short answer is they didn't. Um, But, (laughs) but it was really cool just to flip on ESPN and see Alabama's spring game and see Georgia had a spring game and Auburn and, you know, all these teams that are just like completing a spring practice, which a year ago was impossible to do and probably still shouldn't have been done this year. I'm looking at nationwide numbers still, even with the vaccine rollout. Um, but it, it was nice. You know, it was cool. I get to speculate about, you know, who Alabama's receiver, top receivers will be next year. You get to speculate about how, you know, this is the best defense that Kirby's going to have, as you said, the last four seasons. Um, I'm, been- <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to uh, – hey, that – 2019 team didn't give up a rushing touchdown for a hot minute. That was fun. That was that's the equivalent of a national championship, I think. It is absolutely is. Um, but I, I I do think it's just very cool that we had spring games. You know, I knew I knew people who went to Tuscaloosa and they enjoyed a day, which is something I haven't done as an alum. I feel like I should do it now because it feels like that's a thing that people do. Um, a day but... is such a funny name. It's it's hilarious because it, it and I love it. It's just I found out about it when I was in high school. It's like, yep, no, it's a day. Cool, got it. Yeah, okay, <laughs> then, okay, yeah, neat, neat. neat and, and is it, I think G Day is equally fun, if not funnier. I think G <laughs> Day is funny because it implies uh, it implies something that is um, much cooler than it actually is when it's really just uh, the confluence of. Uh, the 90,000 people in the state of Georgia that didn't get tickets to the Masters. <laughs> it, no, it always is Masters weekend, isn't it? And it's always no, like oh, as you early know as possible. And it's always as oh. early as possible so people don't miss that much of it. Oh, KP, this is, this is just too funny. Uh, Kirby Smart, when he, came, he, when he came in, he says, we, we will no longer be having G-Day on Masters weekend. Because ah, okay. Mark, Mark Richt would just do it willy-nilly and then wonder why Bama has 92,000 people at the spring game and we have 30. 
Yeah, I do think Masters. It's very funny that you know, I guess the national and just the Masters as a whole is probably it's it's easily the most visible and um, biggest golf event of the calendar year. It's like you know you can do horribly and like Tiger Woods won the Masters two years ago and he like, didn't make the cut the next weekend, but no one cared because he won the Masters. You know, it's it's almost like in the Olympics how they have the Olympics and like two or three weeks later they have the World Championships for gymnastics. It's like who cares? Like you just got you just won gold in the Olympics. Like who, <laughs> like who really cares? Um, but how it's it's a national thing. The entire country tunes in, but it is so specifically a Georgia thing. It really so the this is this is probably the most Georgia sentence that I've ever uttered. I I swear to God that until like. My junior year of college, I did not know that you could not buy Augusta National merchandise not at Augusta. Because so many people had it that I was like, yeah, sure. It's like fucking Nike. I don't know. You just go on to masters.com and you fucking pick out whatever Augusta National shit. And then you get to walk around George's campus like you're an asshole. I was like, that's that's the contract that we all signed. And apparently, no. Apparently, the only place on earth that is sold is the Augusta National Pro Shop. And they just have so many people because as I I became an upperclassman in college, there were people that were like, going to the Masters this week. Let me know what you want. People just forking them over. Over hundreds of dollars so they can get them fucking $28 koozies and $65 t-shirts. Wait, oh my, okay, for some reason I, I didn't know that because I had looked at something, like, I've never been to Augusta National, they're very cool, like, the hat, the hat looks cool, right? It's a, not to be that guy that went to an SEC school, but it's a cool look, the logo's cool, the green is, it's a nice green with the yellow logo, like, against it, and yeah, it's a nice hat. And and I had looked it up, and I, you know, almost bought one a few years ago. And it's just like I'm not buying an eighty dollar hat, right? Like it's, <laughs> I'll pay forty yeah, no, tops no. for a good hat because I, yeah, you know, I get a lot of use out of my hat, so it's a good investment. But I'm not, I'm not paying eighty for it. I didn't realize this was never on Augusta's website. This is on GolfShopPlus.com, which they may pay. It must pay a fortune to license Augusta National materials. No, I bet that that's a third party reseller or illegal. It's got. It's just got to be third party reselling, right? It's like has to be, because there's no way. Okay, if you're gonna charge like what three dollars for a hamburger, right, or whatever they do, you're not gonna charge eighty bucks for hats, right? No, that's their that's their thing. That's their thing is like the tickets are reason. Like, I I don't understand why, but the tickets are reasonably priced. Like or like if you actually get like if you actually get a ticket like from the lottery it's like 75 bucks face value and then all the all i mean everyone see the food prices there i mean you you can literally stuff yourself beyond recognition for 20 dollars um and but no no the the pro shop is where they fucking there is not a single thing that they aren't going to gouge you on but i mean at the same time like it's not like that different than walking into like a regular like beachside nice golf club pro shop it's just like you want to buy everything in there because it's the only place that you can actually get it and it's yeah it it's a fucking it is a logistics marvel it is unbelievable how many people they have in and out of that thing and the line and the puts it's like costco on fucking steroids Oh God! I need to go to Augusta National at some point. Then that's on the that's and Andrew. You just added something to my bucket list. I mean, it's it is definitely something that I would recommend.
I, I would as as something to just go and I, we went. I went on a Monday to a practice round. Uh, I guess in 2019, um, and I, I just randomly got tickets in the lottery. Um, big time, big time. Endorse that. Good, good to know. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna when I'm gonna do this one day before I'm 60. I'll, I'll give myself a little bit of time there. Um, yeah, there are but, plenty. Uh, I, there are plenty of college football weekends that I would prioritize over it, but um, it's definitely fun as shit. Right. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. So, Andrew, I, I do want to talk about something sort of college football related, and it has to do with just national interest in the sport. Because, as we know, the playoff has just kind of warped all real like regional interest, and it's strictly a national sport now, more so than it ever has been in the past. Uh, but I've read a few articles this week, listened to a couple of podcasts, and it's like basically they all come down to USC needs to get back to being USC if, you know, we want there to be national interest in the sport again. <laughs> and it's – and it all comes down to saying like, okay, the Pac-12 is down. Well, the Big Ten was down like, you know, nine years ago before Urban Meyer got there, right? So I don't think that's necessarily the problem. I think – I don't think it's a West Coast issue. I just think it's a Western United States issue because Correct. outside of outside of 2005, what has Texas like actually done this century? Like, what well, has Texas what has Texas A&M done? Dude, I think Utah has been the best team from west of the Mississippi River over the last decade. And it, Oklahoma, and, Oklahoma. Oh yeah, okay, great. But what has Oklahoma done since Sam Bradford left? I mean, they've. I mean, they've. Uh, winning the conference that many times is at least like nationally relevant. I mean, I mean, they're as they're significantly more relevant than Georgia. I would. I would contend. Um. For I, personally, I pick Georgia kind of out of what and what because just like what Kirby's done is sort of. I mean, <laughs> I'm gonna get flack for saying this from some people. It's, it's very impressive what Kirby's done, just in the first five years um, that he's been there, but. Yeah, Oklahoma. Okay, I'll give you Oklahoma. They've been great. But, I mean, we thought Washington might take that next step. But, I mean, they make one playoff. They get put into the earth's crest by Alabama, and we haven't heard from them since. Um, USC is just being USC. Oregon is kind of working towards that, but um, they've been – it feels like Oregon's been working towards that for the better part of 15 years now. So, you just look at almost every team west of the Mississippi outside of Oklahoma. They haven't done anything this decade and, for the most part, this century. Right, like if Vince Young decides to go to LSU or you know Miami or whatever, then, then, then there's nothing <laughs> since Josh Heupel was the quarterback at Oklahoma. Nothing. Yeah, I I I think that I mean the, the grander problem with the Western United States is like you aren't going to pull to something like the reason that USC was so popular was because it was like, they were able to roll up Los Angeles in the cell of that. And mm -hmm. like the, the, which is weird because I think we've almost like shifted back into an era where you can sell Los Angeles again, because the way that the media landscape, I feel like um, mm -hmm. was, was around in like the early two thousands when, when the, the Reggie Bush and Leonard era was like, they turned those kids into straight up celebrities, like the, the traditional media outlets, like they were at clubs and they were at like red carpet events and they were at openings and premieres and stuff. And like, they were extremely visible parts of, I mean, essentially a professional, another professional sports team in Los Angeles. And then I feel like we went through this weird era where like the athletes were trying to find 
um, more of a way to to exert leverage, and they weren't there. There wasn't really anything there. The traditional media outlets were dying out, but there wasn't necessarily something that was able to be more um, like uh, uh, universally controlled or democratized, if you will, by the student athletes. And now I feel like you have that where like. If you're a famous athlete, quote unquote, call it famous athlete now, and you are Instagram or TikTok or whatever famous and like that is the I mean, if you are a five star right now, that is typically how you were going to operate if you are media conscientious. L.A. does seem kind of appealing then again, because like you can then if you want get into this entire like influencer Juju Smith Schuster type world, too. And so like the 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 2000s like or the the late aughts and and early 2010s i feel like didn't necessarily have anything but now there is almost this like between the like weird fucking dumb american capitalistic gen z obsession with entrepreneurship because uh, to be honest they don't have anything else to potentially derive wealth uh they haven't been like necessarily dealt a hand with a, a national safety net and mm-hmm. the star uh fuckery if you will of los angeles like i can see an appeal to west coast football from the uh the social aspect aspect of it if you will again uh detached from any football reality right um that's a great point about los angeles that you know basically any influencer once they get like what their first like two like many sponsorship deals they move to los angeles so I do think that's going to be very big for USC going forward. I just think they need to recapture some of just, you know, I just, I just need a better head coach, man. I think it all starts with that. Because you think back to when USC started their run. Like Pete Carroll's first year at USC was, I think, either 2000 or 2001. And you remember the Angels won the World Series in 2002. The Kobe and Shaq Lakers were three-peating, you know, in the midst of this. Um, the Dodgers were still really, really good about that time. And just like still – USC was the team in Los Angeles. It's very hard to do because it's first and foremost a Dodgers town from everything I've heard from people who've grown up there. And then it's a Lakers town. And then, you know, the like Clippers fans who were, let's say, if you were eight years old, the first CP3 Lob City year, if you're eight years old, then you're what, um, 18 now? So like you're kind of growing up. But even with all that, it was still a USC town. I just feel like they want, People there want USC to be better. It's not just like, oh, well, there's the beach. There's so much to do in L.A. And it's like, yeah, there's a lot to do in L.A., but we want to go to USC. We just don't want to if they're going to lose to Colorado 21-17. Yeah, I mean, because there is something about, like, if you were going to go and be the, like, big shit hot shot you can't be getting your dick drug in the dirt on the actual foot correct like like that there, there is something i feel like there is something to like all right well if you want to try and leverage both sides like the football and the call it uh hollywood because i think that's what i mean if these kids i mean these kids are significantly smarter than than i am but like it, if they were smart i i do think that they would like build themselves up from the social perspective so the moment that they end up graduating, they can actually capitalize on the thing that they've been exploited from, uh, even if they don't end up becoming a professional athlete. But there is a difference between like going and talking, not, not like 
like talking a bunch of shit, but like posing big shit uh, online and, and trying to be in that world and then going out and going six and six. Like there, there, there has to be um, at least a like consistent top 25 level of relevance to where you are in the conversation of everything that's at least going on in the world of college football, because a six and six USC team does not register. Like it almost becomes a, a black mark on the city. Right. And I, I do think that's, they're already starting to pay dividends there. I mean, uh, Corey Foreman, uh, I know you don't follow recruiting as nearly as close as you used to, but he's a top 10 player. I think he's even top five, maybe from Southern Cal was committed to Clemson. But I think even he said something. It's like, okay, like I, I see what USC has planned for their athletes with the new name, image and likeness rules. And, you know, it, it looks like cool. It's like, because even then, it's it's USC. You can anyone in the athletic department can make two or three calls, and you can get like a well seasoned marketing professional in the building, right? You can't do that everywhere. Nick Sa- Nick Saban, for all his connections and all he's done in Alabama, you can't do that in Tuscaloosa nearly as easily. Near not not nearly. Can't do it in Clemson, South Carolina. You know, can't do it in Athens, Georgia. Can't do it really in Austin, Texas. Maybe a little bit more in Austin because everyone in California is moving here. But I think you see my point. It's like Los Angeles is such a unique place that you it's a it's a shock USC ever got to be this mediocre. And the fact that they've basically taken a decade off has just done irreparable damage to, to the sport. But with NIL coming up and look if you're a five star from anywhere within a three hour radius of USC in name, image, and likeness era, it's like, wow, okay, so I've got like three thousand followers now. Are you telling me I can upgrade my following from 3,000 to, you know, 15,000 within three months? And that'll bring sponsorships to me. And then I can post stuff, whatever, for this, <laughs> for um, whatever this nightlight is, hashtag ad for $3,000 without even, like, having to work that hard. That's yeah, a real co- thing. And it's coming. Co- co- coconut slimming tea paying me 3500 bucks a post. I mean, yeah, that is uh, certainly then becomes very tangibly worth it. Yeah, exactly. So it's um, well, because that's that's the thing about a lot of college towns is you have to overly sell the program so much to where they don't even like you sell the program as a stepping stone to get to a place like Los Angeles, like that. Like, mm-hmm. like obviously you are selling like going to the NFL and playing the game that you love. But part of what you, you are pitching when you're a college coach is like, we are getting you to the high life. Like we are going to, like we are going to turn you into a superstar. We are bringing you to the next level. Like you were the one percent of athlete going from your high school. We are going to turn you to the one percent of athlete coming from college. And so, when you don't even have to sell that aspect of it, like the the, the potential for fame along with the football success, it really, like you were saying earlier, it really is shocking that they like ever let themselves lapse this much because you really have to almost like actively tank to not continue to basically be like, what are you talking about? It's 70 degrees. The most attractive people on earth are here. It's USC. Like, like why are we even having this discussion? It's almost like a, almost a bizarre version of what Miami kind of did in the eighties, because just watching the U documentaries and just you know, reading up on that era, like they kind of sold the city of Miami. And back then it was a big deal <laughs> to go to Miami and just to skip lines at clubs and just have your own section and be that. That was, it's a much bigger deal back then than it is now, especially if you're a hotshot college athlete. And because the dolphins were just, you know, that was like pre Marino. Uh, I mean, it, yeah, like the Shula era had been going on, but it was like, when they started winning, they were the talk of the town. But it's like, it's like, okay, great, you left Miami. 
Uh, he got drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs, so he moved to Kansas City. All right, cool. So what did, you know, being first in line at clubs in Miami really get you, right? So that's <laughs> – but now at USC, it's like, oh, he went to USC, and he got to work with, like, the best media professionals in the world for three or four years. And wherever he goes, he's got one of the most established brands out of any college player that's coming out this year in the draft. I mean, I know that we are literally just, I feel like, re-describing Juju Smith-Schuster over and over again. (laughs) I mean, he mastered it. And this was before NIL, but he kind of recognized, like, look, I'm a star player in the second biggest media market in the – the second biggest media market, but the entertainment capital, you know, in the U.S. I'm very good. And even though I like, we, we, we're talking about Juju now. Juju like plays in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Like I've never cared about the Steelers that much. Like, yeah, they've had success, but I've never cared about them. You know, they're just, they're, they're the Pittsburgh Steelers, but we can't stop talking about Juju because he's mastered that. And straight, I was about to say, we are straight up talking about him right now. We are not talking about fucking, uh, Sammy Watkins right now. I mean, like, no, uh, we're not. Who, 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 who like, I, I mean, easily. And they've had similar NFL, they've had similar NFL careers. And Sammy Watkins went to a much better football program at the time. Yeah, no, I know. And because I, I think that, like, I feel like a lot of people are, like, chiding kids now, which this is, this is the funniest part of. Uh, I think the way that it could potentially turn is like you have these big recruits that end up uh, like they I I feel like you were going to start ushering in an era of kids and you start to see it a, a little bit where the only thing that they care about is football sustaining the other thing like the only reason that they know they can maintain relevance on social media or in their social life or whatever is, is through their sports, specifically football in this instance. And so you were going to start seeing people like put more effort or, 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 or you like, like they're going to use football a lot more blatantly to like specifically try to get what they want in their life. And I think it's probably the smart thing to do because one, uh, you, you don't kill yourself as much via, I don't know, taking unnecessary hits and doing whatever. And two, mm-hmm. I, I think that you are going to have kids start to be smart enough and say, like, where do you think that my money is probably going to come from when I'm done with college? Like, much right. better chance, much better chance of me becoming a coach and getting a job, much better chance of me being a trainer or an influencer or fucking uh, whatever it may be. If I can have 50,000 Instagram followers that I can leverage to do whatever, as opposed to, no, I'm going to fucking stick my head in the dirt and be a team guy and not have distractions and not do any of this stuff. Like, fuck that. It's the, the school or the team doesn't do anything for you. They just are there to exploit you. Exploit them yeah, back it- while you can. Like, like yep. use, use the brand of Georgia football to build yourself up because Georgia would fucking toss you to the side the moment they, they, they could, if they, if they had the legal obligate or they had the legal ability to do so. They've done, they've, they've tried. <laughs> yeah. No, and, they, and, and they will, I mean, I mean, they, like they, they will, uh, the, the entire gray shirt program, like they, they will do a lot of, so they will promise kids scholarships and revoke them. I mean, uh, th- I mean, this is uh, across the entirety of the SEC. So yeah, now, now I think these kids are getting a little bit smarter and saying like, no, I'm not like, sure. I know that you are going to exploit me, but I'm going to exploit you back in the process. It is uh, a wholly unhealthy relationship, but at least uh, I-, I would say that the power scales are shifting at least moderately a little bit. 
Yep, it used to be 90-10, and it's kind of getting closer to something like 70-30, 65-35, which, again, should be 50-50, but really, I, I'm going to kill it. Or should or be 90-10. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 90-10 the other way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Um, but, no, it, it is progress, and it is a lot better than where we were than back in the 80s when coaches were, like, literally killing kids, like, on the field via practice and, like, you know, brain collisions and just not seeing consequence for it. So, it's a step, you can't, and I, you can't, I, I do you, like the reason. Because stuff. you're tired. You can't get it because you're tired. Water makes you weak. My uh, my sixth grade football coach would yell at a bunch of eleven year olds. Oh, remember? Um, why why are your hands on your knees? The air is up here. It's like yeah, the air is everywhere. It's it's air. Yeah. That's what it does. Yes, yes. It's, uh, it's like what? who would who would have known that uh, your breathing canal is less restricted when your hands aren't directly straight up. Yeah, it's like, oh, who would have thought that, you know, this is my body's natural reaction to, you know, being extremely fatigued? Like, who would have known this isn't the right thing to do? I, I can't, I can't uh, simply begin to imagine. So, Andrew, so Andrew, I did want to say this briefly. I'm six days post-second dose, and I feel great. Um, Hell yes. And, I, 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 and I'm even more excited than I was before about the Microsoft family of products. Uh, specifically Microsoft OneNote. It's almost it, it. It's like a notebook on your computer, man. You can take uh, as many notes as you want. Unloaded folders, that. tabs, and and everything. I, I'm dude. dude Microsoft has really been on it. You know, these last uh, five weeks or so. I'm really a big fan. I'm also the, uh, a big fan of BetOnline.ag. You're a big um, fan. You know, of, the, you're a big fan of BetOnline.ag. That's pretty interesting. I'm a huge um, fan of that online, as well as eBay sneakers at ebay.com slash sneakers. I wish I could get the eBay sneakers vaccine would be pretty tight. Uh, I will say I, I'm the only reason I'm excited for college football is because I think I might be able to get back into gambling this year. Um, mm-hmm. From the, the, the sole perspective of college football is the only thing I gamble. It's the only thing where I think there is like enough lines to potentially like exploit. And if you actually follow the season, you can not just get completely killed because the NFL and the NBA, I feel like are too regimented and like, this is how many possessions are per game. This is what statistics is going to happen. This is the, like every game over and under is between fucking 40 and 50. Every single line is, or 98% of the lines are, are between zero and 10 points. And so I, I, I'm excited to use bet online to get back into uh, a little bit of degenerate college football gambling this year because I think I got away from it in the pandemic. I just I, – I, I completely memory hold last season, had no interest in going back. Um, Georgia – Oh, well, be- well Georgia, Georgia did lose Alabama 41-24 on uh, that was, October 17th. I, I think you should be more uh, – Georgia – Stetson Bennett beat Alabama in one half of football. I think that is that is going to be what we are going to be focusing on. Yep, yep. Let's focus on that and nothing else. Nothing, absolutely <laughs> and nothing else. I, I did, I did have this one question plan, and we can probably close out on this because I do think it'll be very entertaining. As you know, I don't bet on sports; never really have. Um, but I want to hear about one bet that's just like the craziest. Like, I think I may have the answer to this, but I want to hear you tell it again. Uh, just like the craziest you've gone after winning a bet that you probably didn't expect to win, and just like the most slam dunk bet that you've lost. Ooh, the okay. So, um, if you have any interest or any any idea on how the college uh, March Madness squares pool operates, 
um, easily, easily my greatest gambling victory of all time. So if, if for, for those that uh, are unaware, basically the, the way that it works is it's similar to the Super Bowl squares where it's basically a 10 by 10 grid and across the the top or the x-axis it's the winning team score and across the y-axis or vertical it is the losing team score and basically you buy squares like you would a super bowl pool and for basically so so let's say i get a random square on the board and it is the winning team 4 and the losing team 3 that would mean for every single game in the ncaa tournament i would be rooting for the losing team score to end or the winning team score to end with a 4 and the losing team score to end with a 3 so 84 to 83 i would win 94 to 63 i would win 74 to 53 i would win and so forth mm. so there was basically the way that it works is I, I think that you can do it for however much you want but i think it was about 50 dollars a square when i did it uh two or three years ago and um I it was the the year that Villanova and Michigan played in played in the championship and DiVincenzo went off. So I think 2018. Um, yeah. And, and basically the games get successively every round worth more and more money. So for each game in the first round that you potentially hit on, it's like 25 bucks and then it doubles after that. So uh or it might i don't know exactly but at the 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 championship there was a thousand dollars on the line and so the best part about this is like no gambling luck whatsoever no nothing literally just like complete complete bullshit like no knowledge and every single basket matters and so even in like you have to pay attention to garbage time free throws because it affects that like it may not affect the line or the outcome of the game but it affects specifically like where the final score lands because that's the only thing that matters and there was some dumb i mean it was like a 20 point game in the finals and i think uh michigan came down and they like bricked or airballed a three came right down to a guy under the basket he laid it up with like two seconds left and it ended up hitting my square like won a thousand dollars off of the most complete bullshit thing that could have ever existed and so um forever indebted to the college basketball square system if you have an opportunity next basketball season uh it is the only way to watch a tournament um bet online and bet online online that ag uh you guys check it out um andrew i do think that's one of the best stories i've ever heard in terms of best bets um Wow, what a what a rush for you, and in a blowout game too. So I'm sure you were like, I don't know if you were with other people that had squares, but that has to be just like a very exhilarating moment. I was just uh, for I you, was, even in a blo- I, even in a blowout. I think I was with my parents, and uh, a lot uh, profanity riddled uh, expletives after that. But it was uh, it was a good time. But I'm sure you bought them dinner right after with your winnings. So you know, Ab- <laughs> you know, absolutely, definitely didn't go to drugs. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. All right, now your your worst betting moment. My worst betting moment? Oh god. Um I'm trying to think. Hmm. Oh, I think I Okay, so this was my my dad. This was uh 2006. My dad went on a streak with me where I I just 
finally realized it was like, oh, he doesn't make a bet unless he is like 98% confident in it. Like he doesn't do 50-50 bets or like there's a chance here. And so I remember straight up betting him after the 2006 Sugar Bowl uh, where LSU eviscerated Notre Dame. I was like, Jamarcus Russell is coming back. And I, why I had, <laughs> I, I, I think the reason was because I was a uh, 12-year-old, absolutely drunk the, the, the LSU Kool-Aid. Um, I was supremely, supremely confident that Jamarcus Russell was coming back. I didn't know Jamarcus. I hadn't talked to Jamarcus. I just had a feeling that this man was going to turn down $60 million guaranteed to come back and win the national championship that apparently Matt Flynn was still able to do. Um and so made uh, a, a I, I believe, $20 bet with my dad uh, when I was in sixth grade. I think that's the equivalent to like $185,000 right now. Um, <laughs> and very, very dead set on it. Um, although ended up getting him back just the following year when he said that he was supremely confident that Les Miles would be going to Michigan. Um, and I said, for the exact same reason I thought Jamarcus was staying, why on earth would anyone leave Baton Rouge, Louisiana? And I <laughs> – why? Why would they why? do that, Andrew? Why? Why? I mean, look at us now. Uh, man. Hey, by the way, that is um... – God, how many years is – Jesus Christ. All right, cool. Hey, that's eight-year NFL bet Matt Flynn to you. A, uh, a supreme bag-getter Matt Flynn. Listen, it, I, look, I don't feel bad for him. He played the NFL for eight years and seems to have all the faculties, so good for him. Um, but I do think it will always be funny that he had, like, he was Aaron Rodgers' backup for four years, which I think is, like, kind of a very cush job. And then he went to the Seahawks and was presumed to be QB1. And then this little random third-round quarterback from NC State named Russell mm-hmm. Wilson was also drafted that year. So <laughs> just, so funny. It just derailed him completely. No one saw it coming. I mean, like, I saw Russell Wilson in college. I was like, this guy's really good, but I don't know if he's going to, like, beat out Matt Flynn for a starting job. And he did it, like, within three weeks of preseason. <laughs> now, okay, this is – hold on. I, I, I really am – I'm looking up something that um, – how much – what is the career earnings difference between – Matt Flynn and Jamarcus Russell. Oh, I feel uh, so. Matt Flynn was his last year. He was on a couple of practice squads before. Wow, getting before getting before getting with the Saints. Um, wow, the the holy season. shit! I'm gonna say Matt Flynn made fourteen million, and but Jamarcus signed that big rookie deal. Like you know, he made a lot guaranteed early on, right? Yeah, so, all right. What is your what What is your uh, so final guesses? I'm gonna guess Jamarcus made 15 million more just because of, off the stress of that initial rookie deal. Okay, so you're not that pretty good guess overall. Um, Jamarcus Russell made 39 million dollars in his career. Matt Flynn made 19. Damn. What? But do you know what is Jamarcus Russell played? Four years in the NFL. That's he was Jesus, the, only four. He was a number one pick without an injury and played four years in the NFL. You have any idea how much people have to hate you for that to be the case? Dude, Jameis is still just like bopping around, right? And like, <laughs> that, 
That's what I'm saying. They straight up voided, straight up voided the last two and a half years on his contract. He signed a six year deal. He tried a, a six year, a six year. I want to say yes, a six year, sixty one million dollar deal with thirty two million dollars guaranteed. So they you know literally who his first, paid. You know who his first head coach was? Who was it? Was oh, it? Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, no, no. Is it Tom Cable? Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. Oh, nope. No, no, no. Who? It's one Lane Kiffin. Oh my fucking god, that's right. Holy Lane, shit, that's Lane, amazing. Lane Kiffin got the Raiders job at age thirty-two. Not, not, I think it was hired when he was thirty-one, and then, <laughs> and then got the job at age. Dog, 32. I mean, like we are straight up nearing that. That is so funny. No, they. Al, I, I, I'm Al, looking Al, at Al Davis drafted Jamarcus and hired Lane Kiffin in the same offseason. So, so I'm looking at this. So based on his yearly cash, Jamarcus made three million dollars as a rookie. His his bonus hit his second, like the guaranteed bonus hit his second year. He made twenty million, and then he made thirteen million his third year, and was straight up cut at, in the middle of his fourth season with money still left on his deal. They got out of that deal as soon. as as like humanly possible they paid him Jeez. they paid him four million dollars more than he was absolutely guaranteed how this, just that's so, just that means such bad roster management he was he was out of the league at 25 oh my god we're older the than that no- now the number one, dra- the number one draft pick was out of the league by twenty five without an injury. I feel like that doesn't get talked about that much. He has to just have like the worst, like you know, in terms of. And here's the thing: NFL players can eat like six thousand calories a day because they, you know, burn like fifty five hundred of it, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I guess just his ha- those habits have to be terrible because look you Don't. can even be kind of you can even be kind of out of shape and just be a long term backup man. Chase Daniel is still getting checks. Dog, Jamarcus Russell is younger than LeBron. Oh my god. Yeah, I guess that makes sense because he because he did graduate high school the same year. But uh-huh. golly, man, golly. Th- this is amazing. Well, I feel like us talking about LeBron James and Jamarcus Russell is a perfect dovetail to uh, to end this lovely chat. And oh, oh, act, actually, one hour mark. okay, what you got? Before we go, I do want to say, um, first of all, thank you all for listening to Banjo College Football, the world's most ethical college football podcast. But in the event that it does not work out for Scott Frost uh, at Nebraska, there is one coach who – um, has had a long career. He has had success at many different stops, and he is a Lincoln, Nebraska native, currently coaching in the SEC and has a ton of momentum coming into this year. His name is Lane Kiffin. Um, so go Huskers, y'all. <laughs> go Huskers, y'all. We'll, we'll see y'all next week.